Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower. And this is the official podcast of uthdynasty.com. Home to over 300 premium podcasts annually. UTH Trade Calculator, Devi, Dynasty, um, everything you need to have your best season yet. So try it out. If you got some rookie drafts coming up and with uh, some sheltering in place and just uh, our worlds turned upside down over the last few months, I've gotten a lot of startup draft questions. People are joining leagues. People are scratching that itch. And after the NFL draft, it's a perfect time to do so. And Katie, we're going to do something special this week. Um, it is that period where we've covered rookie drafts. Um, we're going to get back to um, largely discussing dynasty player value and the such uh, next week. But something that I, I need, I feel like I need to schedule it or else it'll never happen, uh, which is this uh, get to know you series. Um, so I already did one with Jordan. Uh, we covered that in a previous episode. I, I, I hope to get Tim in the next week or two, but Katie, this is your platform. Um, I, I'm, I've asked you personal questions. I know plenty about you, um, but the listeners, depending on what platforms you have been on with shows, they may not know as much about you um, as they they would like to. Um, so this is a good opportunity for me to kind of dive in, interview you, and and, and just kind of swap some stories so that folks know more about your, you know, life, sports, fantasy, etc. Backstory. That sounds like fun. And just so the listeners know, Chad did not pre-warn me what we were going to be discussing tonight, and uh, so I'm looking forward to it. This should be fun. Cold calling. Um, Cold so, calling. That's yeah. it. Just so drop let, it. So let's so, so let's rewind eight to ten years when Katie was a, a child. <laughs> oh Katie, yeah, right. When Katie was when yeah. Katie was a kid. Let's start with the, the the sports part. So, what kind of interested you in terms of if it was watching, uh, if in person on TV or participating? What was kind of your first sports experience? From hey, this is interesting to me. Yeah. So. My family, I'm one of six, I'm lower middle of six kids, and we grew up in Vermont. My mom and dad both worked 40 to 60 hours a week. They were hardly ever home. So it was up to us kids to entertain each other and entertain ourselves. And we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of, of you know, other than clothes on our back and food in our bellies, which was a big thing. We didn't have a lot of toys. So I used to go down. My, my family did not like sports at all. I was... Uh, young I would go down to the neighbor's house and shoot hoops all day long as long as I could stay out and uh, when I they didn't let girls play little league baseball when I was young at 10 years old 1974 I believe that's when little league finally said okay girls can play and I felt pretty sure because my dad at least liked baseball I figured he's got to give his permission (laughs) for me to play but 
he said no, absolutely not. And wow. I don't know why he wouldn't tell me, but I was heartbroken. I was crushed. I used to play in the sandlot with the kids, and I could hold my own. I played second base. I was a starting second baseman for our sandlot team with all the boys, and I could hold my own. So I figured, why not? And all I had was a plastic glove. It was one of those that you buy from, like, Ames Department Store for, like, two bucks. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, not leather. It was it's plastic. Shiny, yeah. Yeah, and it was one of those crap gloves that if you left it out in the rain, it would disintegrate in one <laughs> one shot. That's it. So I didn't get to play organized sports until I got to middle school. And then I got to play girls softball. I played field hockey. I played soccer. I played basketball throughout high school. And then in college, same. I played um, softball, basketball, volleyball, and uh, that was it. And then I played after college, I played co-ed sports, and that was a lot of fun. But none I your, didn't, so none of your siblings. You, you kind of, of you siblings. said that in the being. None of your siblings had much of an interest. You were the one right. heading out to to friends' houses and and to local you know neighborhood parks or whatever, and they were just doing other things. Sports was not a big thing for them. Absolutely, and I remember the coolest thing when I was in seventh grade and I got to join a team. I got to wear my first uniform. Um, and the funny thing is this: I grew up in the in the sixties and seventies, and so picture this. Uh, for basketball we had to wear skirts and what? they gave you yeah they gave you like this um we were the middlebury tigers so we were orange and black it was a black skirt with an orange top and it was le- almost like a short sleeve shirt they wouldn't even let girls wear the tank top like they let the boys wear the tank tops because you couldn't show you couldn't expose your arms right and so we had to put they gave us these like black pull-ups to go over your underwear so that if you fell down like all bloomers. they saw was black kind of like bloomers yeah so you were yeah. wearing underneath your skirt you were wearing something well the one day that i <laughs> forgot the the black whatever you call them the, the pull-ups i happened to fall down and there's my white underwear flashing and I, I was so embarrassed it was just so horrible horrific but i i just I absolutely love sports. The first pro sports that I remember, I was a big, huge Boston Red Sox fan. I used to listen to, we didn't get a lot of cable TV. We had two channels. And if the Red Sox weren't on whatever the local channel was, we listened to them on the radio. And so I'd go over to my next door neighbor, my grandpa's house, and he was my adopted grandpa. We became such close friends. And we would listen to the to the Red Sox, and uh, that was such a treat to just get away from the house, listen to Red Sox, and talk to my grandpa about sports. And in middle school, the Raiders were a big thing, and everybody was all on board with the Raiders. I wasn't, but I remember the boys at school talking about the upcoming Super Bowl and things like that, and I liked football, but I didn't get to watch a lot of that on TV because, like I said, first of all, we didn't have cable, and second of all, none of the rest of my family liked sports. The Raiders we were a had... big thing in the Northeast? Yeah. Wow. Because, okay. you know, that was, they, I think, Yeah, that Jim was their Plunkett heyday and, with Plunkett yeah, and Stabler yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. So they were just, you know, nationwide. Um, but those were some of my early pro memories. I, I, I didn't get to watch a lot, again, on right. TV because there was only one TV and my yeah. brothers and sisters got to, <laughs> yeah. got to pick. 
I was always I gotcha. overruled. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned you mentioned growing up in Vermont, and I know you've moved around. You have at least a couple other states under your belt that I know of. Um, what what was your just general topography, you know, uh, geographical adventures in terms of? I, I know you currently live in Texas. I think most people know that. You have lived in Arkansas. Um, anywhere else along the way? Yeah, when I lived in Vermont, I also, after college, uh, I lived in Maine for a little while, New Hampshire for a little bit, so mostly New England my entire adult life until I moved. Uh, I did live in South Carolina for three months when I was engaged to a professional pool player that I decided after three months that it was I forgot just, that story. I yeah, forgot. You so, used to tell me about your about your <laughs> pool playing days, yeah. Yeah, so I decided to... Uh, leave them in Kalamazoo, Michigan, because my sister lived in Chicago and I, I took a bus to her place and then I rented a U-Haul. I picked up all my stuff in South Carolina and and drove back to Vermont. But, um, in, in between basically most of my adult life before I moved to Texas, I lived in either Vermont, Maine or New Hampshire. I lived in New England and I moved to Texas in 2005, 15 years ago, Love it down here, never moving back north again. <laughs> but, you know, uh, when I, after college, I finally got to watch some pro sports live. We hardly ever got, it was a huge treat going four and a half hours in the station wagon to watch the Red Sox. And dad would just all of a sudden out of the blue and on an April day say, hey, let's go down and see the Red Sox. And I'd be like, yeah, I'd grab my hat and my glove and, <laughs> And still the plastic one, the or station. did you have a different one at that point? No, it was still a plastic one. Wow. Now I was nine, ten years old, <laughs> and and so my brothers and sisters just wanted to get out of the house. They didn't mind going to a ball game, but they didn't love it like I loved it. And so you, you know, were there was, keeping, you know, doing the box score and stuff like that. Probably, oh yeah, and, and we used to always, it. we used to always sit behind the bullpen out in left field, and uh, it was it was cheap seats, and I used to bring a tennis ball and I'd, I'd toss it down into the bullpen and ask them to sign it and throw it back, but they wouldn't. And, (laughs) you know, uh, that was Kari Stremski and Louis Tian and, uh, although, you know, Rico Petroselli or no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, those were good times. But when I graduated from college and I lived in Maine, my boss had seasons tickets to the Patriots and to the Red Sox. So how I far used away to, is that? How far, how close from could, Maine? Could you be from Maine to to where the, the it Red was about Sox two and a half hours? Oh, okay. From, yeah, um, Vermont was four and a half hours. Wow. And so it, when I lived in Maine and in, in Portland, South Portland, it was a lot closer. And we used to go to concerts there in Foxborough. Uh, yeah, Boston wasn't bad to get to at all. I just write down ninety five, but. That's when I finally got to start going to pro sports and really started getting to watch them on TV. I started coaching at that point in my life. I coached baseball, basketball, and football for 14 years. Absolutely loved it. And the kids loved me. I just enjoyed the strategy part of the game and teaching the kids the right way. You know, the fundamentals, that was my big thing. I could teach pitchers. Like if you'd never pitched before, I could turn you into pitcher in about four weeks. And uh, same thing with quarterbacking for football, for, you know, any of the skill positions, it's all about, uh, you know, footwork and the different drills to get you, get your whole body working together. Yeah. Um, so you, so am I incorrect? The, the living in Arkansas part? 
No, you're correct. When oh, okay. I moved when I moved to Texas 15 years ago, my territory was Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana. And so I used to drive all around that territory. And then I moved to Arkansas about six years ago, lived there for three years. And then when I took on the new job with the same company I was working for, knowing I was going to have to travel more, that's when I bought the house and moved back to the Dallas area. That was three years ago. Okay. So I, I lived in Arkansas for three years and I, I loved it there too. Now the three main teams I know that you, you watch and follow uh, are, so let's go in order. First of all, the Arkansas Razorbacks, is there a singular year and team iteration that just sort of, if you think back to all the years that you've kind of followed them and, and watched them, is there one, one year and one cluster of players that kind of stand out for you as, man, that was, that was the most fun so far? Well, because I love all three sports, I love baseball, basketball, and football. The The one season that stands out to me the most because I was a part of it, I got to go to the College World Series, is the year that the, that the uh, Razorbacks came in second in the nation. They actually should have won. They had out number three. Three guys converged, the ball dropped right in between the three of them, and then the very next pitch, the kid hit a a line drive base hit and kept the inning going. There were two outs at that time, two strikes on the batter, and everybody's like, yeah, well, you know, uh, they should have had it. It's like, yeah, they should have had it, but the next pitch could have been strike three. I mean, there were so many could have, should have. He hit a beautiful hit to keep it alive, and they still had to get another uh, a guy in scoring position, so... Uh, it did take a lot of the wind out of their sails. And I know how momentum goes in sports. I've lived it as a coach. I lived it as a player. And you could you could tell that there was a huge difference in the air. But as far as football, uh, well, when well, Hunter on Henry... That t- well, on that team, I was just going to ask. So that, that Arkansas second place in the College World Series team, is there yeah. anyone from there that you're kind of following and tracking that, that's gone on to the majors? Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, Eric Cole, I believe, is with Kansas City. I'm not tracking him super, super closely, but I do on Twitter get updates from time to time on them. More more the year before, Andrew Benintendi, because he plays for the Red Sox, and yeah. he was he's my all-time favorite baseball player from the Razorbacks, and he ended up going to uh, the Boston Red Sox. And I got to see him play against Memphis in Memphis when I was there for work. So even though he wasn't part of that second place team, he has a special place in my heart. Okay. So the but Cowboys, it, so the Cowboys, how far back does your, your rooting interest go? And, and same thing. What, what is there one team and maybe one playoff Super Bowl run that kind of stands out to you? Yes. Um, the Cowboys, since I was a little kid, even though I didn't get to watch them on TV a lot, I got to watch them more than the Patriots. I loved them both, but the Patriots were blacked out or, I just, my family wouldn't let me watch. The Cowboys were on TV more frequently because they were America's team. And so I developed a love for both of those teams even before I moved to Texas. Was that Roger Staubach, that sort of era for you? Yeah, yep. And then when I moved to Maine and I started getting a chance to go to the Patriots games in Foxborough, 
but I could also watch all the cowboy games that I wanted to. I had cable. I, you know, working adult. I could do whatever I wanted to. And <laughs> so I absolutely love Troy Aikman. And I remember him playing at UCLA and thinking he's going to be a great quarterback. Then he got drafted to the Cowboys. And they had Jimmy Johnson as their coach, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Alvin Harper, Jay Novacek. Uh, Moose Johnston, you know, and even Nate Newton and Mark Stepanowski and all those guys. And I, my boss had his brother-in-law worked for the NFL doing the Pro Bowl arrangements. The, the Cowboys in 92 won the Super Bowl. In 93, that was Emmett Smith's holdout season. And I bought two Super Bowl tickets from my boss's brother-in-law at face value. Back then, it was two seventy-five a ticket. I had no idea if the Cowboys were going to make it back. I knew the odds were long and, and hard against them because it's really hard to repeat. And Emmett Smith was holding out. But I bought the tickets because, number one, I had the opportunity. And number two, the game was in Atlanta, Georgia, and my friend lives in Marietta, which is not far. It's a suburb, and I could stay with her and her husband, and this way it was going to be the cheapest and the, probably the only opportunity to go see a Super Bowl. So I bought the tickets in August, having no idea who was going to go. Cowboys ended up going against the Buffalo Bills, and what a what a wonderful week that was. And I got to see, I was 50-yard line, 30 rows up, just 10 seats away from John Travolta and Kelly Preston. <laughs> and and it was so cool. We got there early. I took my friend's husband to the game because she didn't like sports, and he loved sports. He wasn't a Cowboys or a Bills fan, but he liked sports enough to appreciate that. And it was just such a fun time and a miracle season. And then they were down at halftime, and I was telling my buddy what they needed to do in order to turn it around. And the three things that I mentioned were the same three things that I think it was Brent Musburger was saying on ABC Sports. These are the three keys to the Cowboys getting back in the game. And then sure enough, they put pressure on Jim Kelly finally. They got a sack. They got a turnover. They fed Emmett Smith over and over again, which opened up the play-action pass. And then they went ahead and they didn't look back and ended up winning. Wow. All the way through, got tickets to the Super Bowl. And what about the Patriots? Uh, what what one stands out for you? Oh, there's so many of them. Um, oh, there it is. <laughs> no, there really is. <laughs> no, I <laughs> know. <laughs> but I guess the biggest thing that sticks that when I lived in Maine and I had the opportunity to go to uh, Player Appreciation Day, I got to meet um, uh, big tight end. Um, it was Bledsoe was the quarterback at the time. It wasn't Ben uh, Watson. It was Ben Coates. Yeah, Coates. Got That's it. Right. Yes. Yes. I Hold knew it. it was a Ben. I was like Ben. It's yeah. So I got to meet Ben Coates, and they had a lot of interactive games and things that you could do. They had a big, huge tailgate, and it was just go in, meet some of the players, have some fun, and you know, it was just fan appreciation, player appreciation day. And my boss didn't want to go, so he gave me his tickets because he's a season ticket holder, and that was cool. Another fun Patriot moment. I went to a Monday night preseason game when Joe Namath was playing for Kansas City, and it was raining like crazy. And it's a preseason game. My boss had the season tickets, so 
the guy sitting next to me, I'm there with three, my two roommates, um, my two girl roommates and one of their friends. So there's four girls in a row and I'm sitting on the end next to the next guy who has season tickets from his grandpa. And he's probably, I'm in my thirties, early thirties. And he's like 22, 23 years old, something like that. But we are chit chatting about football the whole game long and it's pouring rain. And cause the girls I'm with, they like sports, but they could care less about talking about football. So I'm there talking about football. The guy asked me for my number and I gave him my number and I'm thinking he's never going to remember my number. He's never going to call. He lives in Massachusetts anyways and he's a lot younger than me. So chances are he's not going to remember my number. He's not going to call. He remembered that I had told him I wasn't going to be home over the weekend and he waited until I was home and he did call and then we started dating for about like three years long distance wow and, uh, yeah that so that was kind of a fun patriot moment just meeting a guy that played football lived in massachusetts um so yeah that was kind of fun too and uh i think you sort of mentioned this but i had this written down also what was your what was your favorite state or area that you've lived in so far i really enjoy i really love arkansas it's so beautiful especially northwest arkansas where uh, the campuses in Fayetteville. There's mountains. It reminds me a lot of Vermont, but without the long, cold, snowy winter. And you get the beauty of lakes and mountains and foliage, but you don't have to shovel snow. And it it's just such an underrated state. So you don't you don't you don't mind warm weather. You would like to get away from the cold and the the three four months of almost can do nothing outside type. The older I get, the more I appreciate the heat and where I live now, I can, excuse me, I've always loved to garden, but I can garden year round. I have to, you know, decide what I'm going to grow in the wintertime. You, you can't just grow tomatoes or anything unless you make a greenhouse, but I love to have my garden. I've got a swimming pool. I've got a lot of friends in this area. I love to go to live sporting events. I mean, there's so much more to do in Texas than you could ever imagine in Vermont. There's not anything close in Vermont to do. And Vermont is beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it's just after all those years of the cold, I was ready for the heat and I I really don't mind the heat at all. Either go inside and get in the air conditioning or you just pop another beer and get in the pool. <laughs> Do you ever do? Do you ever go uh, swimming or any uh, any snow 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 sports or activities when you were a kid? Yeah, we used to go tobogganing. We had a side hill beside the house, and we would we would just get the sleds out or pieces of cardboard or anything to slide down the hill with. We would build snow forts and have snow fight snowball fights. Um, sometimes, if we were lucky, we could go to friends' houses and they had snowmobiles, and that was a blast. And they had the big inner tubes. They would haul us up the side of the hill. I had a friend that lived on a farm, and they had like acres and acres. And we would take the snowmobile and uh, hitch a ride on the tube, you know, going up the slope. And then at the top, you'd get on the tube and just slide on down. It would take, you know, 30 minutes to get down to the bottom of the hill. And they'd have a bonfire at the bottom and hot cocoa. And it was so much fun. Um, I didn't start skiing until I was an adult after college. Um, it was just such an expensive sport, and I never really thought twice about it. But I started playing golf and skiing in the same year. I was probably about 23, 22, 23 years old at the time. And I now still play golf. I don't ski anymore because I'm not near 
uh, the slopes or the mountain. I know I could go on vacation, but I just haven't yet. And uh, you were definitely, uh, you've mentioned it, I think, in passing, either you know on the show, but also throughout, that you are a do-it-yourselfer. Um, you just finished a project for yeah. your for your uh, she shed, your uh, your uh, your shed in the backyard that was completely on your own. You've also done a number of other projects, gardening. Um, is there a project that is up on your to-do list? And you also did a ton of landscaping as well. Um, so again, five-tool player um, in terms of what you're what you're capable of around the house and around the yard. Um, what what's next on your on your giant macro to-do list? Well, when I texted you to see if we were going to be on time today, I was in the middle of cutting all the lumber, the wood, for, uh, I submitted that shed because I got the plans online at a DIY site, and I modified them to what I wanted them to be. I didn't change them a lot, but enough. And I submitted the step-by-step pictures with my story of how I did it and how much it cost, and the guy published it, and he loved it. He says... I'm going to offer you a set of free plans for any of my DIY things that you want. Pick one. All I ask is that you document it the way you did with this and send me pictures when you get done. So I didn't really have any projects in mind, but I was looking through the plans and I saw Adirondack chairs. They looked really simple to to make and I've got a fire pit that I built and I've got a small patio off my master bedroom which is right there next to the fire pit I needed two chairs anyway Adirondack chairs are kind of nice looking I've got some red paint left over from the shed I'm going to paint them red so they match the shed and it matches that side of the you know the house and I just ordered some seat cushions to go in them they're gray so it's going to kind of be razorback colors gray and red and uh, so I was right in the middle. I just finished cutting all the wood, and I was about to uh, pilot the holes and start screwing the pieces together when I double-checked if we were doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So that's, I that's remember, my project. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, my uh, my dad made a set of Andorotic chairs too. And, and it's a huge difference. I mean, they sell plastic ones, you know, down, at, yeah. um, down at, at, at stores and stuff. But when you get the actual wood ones, and they have a really nice, you know, you're kind of half – half uh, reclined, uh, but you're still vertical and it's, you know, curved on the bottom with the nice armrests and stuff. So yeah, very nice design there. Look forward to seeing yeah. how those turn out. They, the total material for two chairs was $35. And I didn't have to buy paint because I already had paint. So it would have been a little bit more if you had to buy paint. They're $200 a piece at Nebraska oh, yeah. Furniture Mart, and I don't think they're going to look any uh, worse than the ones you can buy at the store. In fact, I think they're going to be they're going to be better. I'm modifying his plans just slightly. I didn't I didn't like the way he did his top. I'm going to do mine more like a traditional Adirondack chair and use my jigsaw to cut out the uh, the arch. But yeah, it's I like to work with my hands. I like to design things. I like to build. I had uh, two nice parties at my pool this weekend. Even though it rained, I had uh, quite a feast that I that I cooked up. Uh, Marla would have been proud. <laughs> I'm sure she would have loved some of the, the vegetable dishes, especially. Um, do you remember your first fantasy league? And was it football? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, 2012, and I think you know. I think I've told you before that. Um, for 10 years plus, I would go to Florida every year for a Hearts of Reality, mainly Survivors, but Amazing Race and Big Brother and some of the other reality TV shows. And 
I would participate in a fundraising event for Give the Kids the World. And I've met and partied with over 100 people that have been on the show Survivor. I absolutely love Survivor. Have I uh, put in two audition tapes? They've never called me, but uh, I'm past my prime now. I'm not itching to get on anymore. But the guy that runs the charity event invited me in 2012, two days before the draft, invited me to participate in their redraft survivor league. They needed one more person to make a 12-team league. And I said, well, I've never played fantasy football before, but I will do it. I would absolutely, it was a free redraft on, uh, it was uh, NFL.com, which is a pretty good for redraft. It's a pretty good venue. And so he gave me the, the information. I signed up. And then I started reading. I scoured everything, and I found uh, Matthew Barry's Draft Day Manifesto. And oh, that yeah. was the year after Matthew Stafford had gone off and had one of his best years in his career. And he was like, you've really got to draft a quarterback early. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And, man, did his advice suck. It was the worst that team I've ever That was the year it was like had. five quarterbacks in the first round or something was like the commonplace. I remember that. Yeah, and it it was like it, it's so far from what you should do. Even back then, I should have. I mean, I had no idea. So, uh, my running backs were Jamal Charles and Steve Jackson and Frank Gore, and you know he's still around now. But I had uh, Pierre Garcon as one of my wide receivers, and and this was, I think it was Doug Martin's rookie season, 2012, and he said, avoid rookies at all costs. Rookies are so, you know, unpredictable, and this and that, and it's like, man, I struggled so bad, but I enjoyed it enough to, with only two days notice, I I was like, okay, next year, I'm going to be prepared. So in the offseason, I did some reading. I did a lot of mock drafts. I joined like 20 different redraft leagues, free ones on ESPN and NFL.com. And then in 2014, I was in a chat room doing a mock draft in June in an ESPN room. And that's when I don't usually chat in those chats while the draft is going on, but we're drafting and I see these two guys chatting and they're talking about a dynasty league and the guy was like yeah i'm a commissioner and i need two people to take over orphan teams it's a free league you know and he was talking to this guy named ben and i started chiming in and i said well if you've got two teams that's not the ben right is that the ben you is that the ben you know that i know yeah from mississippi yeah yeah and and so he and i have co-commissioned and we've also uh we're co-owners in a league and uh, he's still, to this day, one of my best buddies when it comes to fantasy football. But so he was he was debating whether or not he wanted to do it. He goes, that sounds really fun. There's trading and there's rookie drafts and all this. And it's more of a year-round thing. So this is in June of 2014. And I decided, okay, if I take over this orphan, I want to know everything there is to know about Dynasty. That's when I started looking and listening to the different sites and things like that. And I gave Ben his choice. I said, you take whichever team you want. I'll take the other one. And of all the sites that I listened to and that I read, by that point, with my football mind and my strategic mind, I already had a pretty good inkling of which philosophies fit with my mindset. And when I came across Under the Helmet, 
that was it. I was like, these guys know what they're talking about and their philosophy makes a lot of sense. I'm going to adopt that philosophy. I became a subscriber shortly later and I started asking you questions and you would answer me. I thought that was cool as heck. You're just a, you know, a guy that wants to talk to whoever uh, will submit questions and we chit chat it back and forth. Um, and it was great. Do you remember your first uh, UTH show that you were on? I remember that I was a guest, and it was somewhere in the fall. I don't remember exactly, um, but I remember that it was you and Doug, and you asked me some questions. Okay, so, you, so you came on with both fun. of us? Oh, very yep, cool. I did. Yeah, because I didn't even know that was a possibility. Well, first you had said you would, you would drop my name on one of the podcasts that I was becoming one of your favorite listeners because of the way that when we were interacting via email – and Doug's like, well, it sounds like she should be on the <laughs> show with us. Or, or no, he no, he said, it sounds like she should write an article for us. And I was like, wow, hey. So I submitted an article to you, and you published it. And I was like, hey, this is cool. Then I published a couple more. Then you had me on as a guest after a few articles. So, uh, so you took over an orphan as your first Dynasty experience. Do you remember um, a story, something that went wrong uh, from your first Dynasty draft? I remember something that went yeah, yeah. right. Uh, I mean, it, it was 2014, so I was avid listener. This was June was when I took over the orphan, but they didn't have their draft until like August. And Odell Beckham Jr. had already been hurt, and and so because of that, it was only a two round rookie draft, and I got uh, Allen Robinson, I got Jordan Matthews. And then after the draft was over, I picked up Odell Beckham off waivers. Because <laughs> in a yeah. two-round draft, people... He was going like seven or eight or nine or something, if memory serves, in, in the draft like in April or May. And then and he fell out when he injured. Right. And, and so I was able to pick him up. And I remember the guy that was the commissioner, he's a Giants fan, and he was so pissed that he was two seconds too late because it was first come, first serve. And he was two seconds too late. <laughs> and and we know how that turned out. Are you still are yes. you still in a league yes. from 2014, 15, 16? I mean, do you still have a longstanding one? From I am. There? I Is do. Is that one of your favorite ones? Is yep. it always going to be close to your heart because it was one of your first? Well, that one, my first one, I am not still in. But I ended up joining like a dozen or so leagues the first year and I am in still in a couple and yeah they they hold a place what's in your heart. what's your favorite dynasty league you're in right now and uh what makes it your favorite I think the one that you and I are in together the deep Debbie one and it's my favorite because it is okay. deep Debbie and I like the format it's super flex I like Kobe. we drafted the startup was last year right so now we're finally getting into the, no two years no, ago no no this okay. a couple years ago yeah this is like year okay. three i think maybe it might be only two. it might have been under the 2018 mfl and then maybe we had the draft after that something like that probably okay yeah I, yeah i think we're i think we're just going into year three because this was okay. our third draft but i like it because it's so deep and I like it because it's Debbie and yeah. it's super flex, tight end premium. It's got everything that you could Is want. Is there something out there um, in a dynasty league that maybe it's just in your in your creative, 
you know, uh, you know, uh, synapses in your brain and you haven't really, maybe you haven't seen it in a league or maybe it's something you play in all the time, but is there something where you're like, this is really my favorite part of dynasty, whether you've tried it yet or not more and more, especially, you know, right now I'm not traveling because of everything that's going on with COVID-19, but more and more when, when people invite me to a brand new format, that's so complicated. I, I just stray away from those because, I don't want to have to spend time learning a format so much time. Well, it, it just if the bylaws especially are 20 pages long or they sound like they're written by a lawyer, to <laughs> me, that just is a big okay. turnoff. Um, but interesting format. But I just it's like, you know me, if I'm going to get into it, I want to be full all in and yeah. all into it. I don't want to say yes to something if I'm not fully committed, half-hearted, half-ass the thing. So um, more and more, my favorite leagues are are Devi leagues, even if they're a little bit more shallow. Um, I love the super flex and the tight end where you've got to start two tight ends. I can't think of a format that would attract me and make me want to say, stop everything. I got to join that. There may be something out there, but right <laughs> you now. You haven't seen it yet. I, I got gotcha. you. Right. Okay. Um, and how about uh, looking ahead? Is there something, maybe it's a player, maybe between your interests of the Patriots, the Cowboys, Arkansas, um, is there a player, uh, maybe it's a position group that over the next season or two, you're just really looking forward to seeing how this player develops. Maybe they are a sneaky prospect for the NFL, um, or maybe it's just a player that is uh, just not properly valued in dynasty on the NFL side. I really... The yin and the yang and the ups and downs of DeAndre Swift. And I, I'm very curious to see six months, 12 months from now, what's going to happen. Everybody's a little bit down on his landing spot. Um, I've had him as my number one running back from this class for a long time. It's hard for me right. to let that go. But I, I look at the overall talent, the work ethic, everything that he's got going for him. He's the real deal. I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out over the next 6, 12, 24 months. And especially such a talented class with Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor and uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and just all the other ones that are on the fringe, on the outside looking in that could also... Uh, rise up, but I, I have a very strong feeling DeAndre Swift is going to succeed in the NFL, and I'm I'm just very much looking and forward was, to it. And he was, if memory serves, he was your running back one of the class. You know, going back to incoming freshman, probably after freshman year. Um, it, it, is he, he's not your running back one now, right? In terms of like, if you're at 101, Swift isn't your guy. I'm taking Taylor. Okay. When, did that switch, when did that switch if, for you? Like, was that a, a slow lava type formation of, of moving down the hill and switching from, from Swift to Taylor? Yeah. I mean, I've always liked Jonathan Taylor. Um, it's just reality sets in and everybody else values Taylor higher. 
it's almost like I'd be stupid to take Swift over Taylor. Well, you don't have to. That was the, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. Right. You don't have to. And there have been times where I've been the 101 and 102 and I'll take Taylor and then Swift. And some people wouldn't even take Swift at the two. They would take Dobbins or Akers or CEH. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been going 101, 102. But if I can't trade back, I'm going to take my guy. And I hate having to choose between just Taylor and DeAndre Swift. But, I mean, I think he's also got a little better landing spot, which was more of the tiebreaker. They're very both, they're both very talented. So it's to me, it's like a one A and a one B kind right. of thing. Right there, there's there's a lot of talent this year, and it's like so picking picking who your target slash avoids are is a lot more gray area than than other years, is what I would say. Yeah, um, it, it's sort of like, hey, just be happy you're getting one of them. Okay, right. shut your mouth. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's like be happy. Some of these classes, you're just you're pining for somebody. You know, at one hundred five to one hundred seven, it's like now you have great choices this year. So just enjoy it. Um, okay, um, and I guess a couple final random thoughts that that I just thought of uh, to close out on a uh, on a dynasty front. Um, Nikhil Harry, where do you stand on his uh, swooning stock and and the fact that you know Tom Brady is not there um, as of now. You know they haven't brought anybody in, so it's maybe going to be a Stidham situation, a Brian Hoyer situation. We'll see if maybe they kick the tires on one of the remaining free agents uh, potentially. Um, but what are your thoughts on Nikhil Harry after some injuries, uh, a few flashes here and there, um, but a big opportunity if he can develop? I trust the talent, and I love the guy. He's a physical beast. He really did have some some tremendous flashes last year. Um, in fact, that touchdown that got called back that they said it wasn't a touchdown was a touchdown, but <laughs> it, it's over and you move on. But he is just a tremendously talented kid, and I, I still love him. And I'm if somebody's willing to sell him cheap, I'm willing to buy. Okay. And uh, with them adding C.D. Lamb uh, there to the wide receiver core for the Cowboys, they've got Amari Cooper. They've got Amari Cooper and they've got uh, Michael Gallup. I mean, it is arguably one of the top talented wide receiver cores in the entire league. How do you think that sort of pans out in terms of is there someone that's going to be we, we look back, you know, at the end of 2020 season and say, boy, that guy was was overvalued, overpriced, at least for now, uh, for for lofty expectations. And maybe that even shifts after the next couple of seasons from where we are today. I think Amari Cooper's going to still succeed. I think it's going to be more of Lamb will have a good game, then Gallup will have a good game, then Lamb, you know, they'll be back and forth. They, they both may end up with decent seasons, but trying to pick which game that they're going to be a better matchup or a better fit for. Um, They just have a a crazy wide receiver club, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of them. Okay. So more more of the you throw them in as your flex, and and sometimes you're going to hit it, and and sometimes you won't. Right. Okay. Um, any final thoughts, anything in terms of kind of going through your backstory a little bit, transitioning to, to today that uh, you'd like to include uh, here in this uh, get to know you segment? Just that I'm very humbled and blessed of where I started, you know, just broke as a joke. Uh, one of six, I'm the first kid in, in my family that got to go to college and graduate. Um, 
everything that I've accomplished in my life, I owe to my parents and my next door neighbor, who was a, a very good mentor, taught me a lot of, you know, doing the hands-on that I do now, working in the garden, uh, working in designing and building. And, and it, one of his favorite sayings was, Katie, you can do anything you've a mind to do. And so I'm just kind of still in awe. I, I am the American dream. I am what, uh, you know, hard work and, and putting everything together, you can do anything that you want to do. So I enjoy my life. I work hard, but I play hard. I love to have fun. I had such a blast this weekend cooking and entertaining for my neighbors and my friends. And even though they were small groups, we were, you know, still maintaining social distancing. And uh, But very small, fun group and on the back patio, hanging out, relaxing. It was just I can't even imagine when I was a kid that that this would all be possible. So I'm I love being part of the fantasy football community. I love being part of the show. I'm just pretty pretty happy with how things have have worked out so far. And we got that. I think we got your 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 tagline in the intro is you may beat me but you will not outwork me. <laughs> yeah. Which which is a pl- which is applicable. It is tough to outwork Katie. That is for sure. In life in fantasy football whatever. You may beat her. <laughs> but you won't outwork. Um, Katie, Katie, I learned a lot. I, I think the listeners got a lot out of it too. And, and just creating more connectivity. Good Lord, we need it more in this world uh, than ever before in terms of connecting with folks, whether it's uh, on the digital gridiron or if it's just in life as friends. And uh, I, I'm very happy and fortunate to be your friend, um, Katie, and that we've got to connect over the years um, in person as well as just the number of hours we've spent recording um, shows um, over the course of time. So I want to say thank you for, be, for being a part of, of U- the UTH world and my world. Um, you can find her on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Uh, you can support the show again by becoming a general manager subscriber at UTHdynasty.com or the, the patron channel, patreon.com slash UTH. We've got a feature weekly show with Tim Torch as well as some other bonus content you can't find anywhere else and a UTH VIP chat that's thriving on a 24-7 basis uh, that I'm a part of as well as some of the, the best dynasty owners out there. Um, so thanks so much for, for listening this week. And we're going to be getting back to football activities very soon. Uh, there's a crackle in the air. Um, there's, there's more and more uh, buzz that we are getting on the right track with, with sports in general, um, which, is, which is a very positive sign. Uh, and we'll p- kind of parallel a lot of the positives that we're having in our, in our worlds as well. Um, so for Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. Thank you.